welcome to the Sacred Femme Alchemy Podcast, a podcast to help you on your sacred feminine journey towards self-love and healing. I'm your host, Lisa Mae Francisco, a sacred feminine guide and mentor. In the podcast, we'll dive deep on how to heal your core wounds, reclaim your feminine power, and liberate your truth so you can be your wild, authentic self. Thanks so much for listening. I'm super excited that you're here. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Sacred Femme Alchemy podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. I have a very special guest. She is the first guest that I've had in a while. I took a little pause from having any guests on my podcast. So I'm excited to welcome Kim Gerlach to the podcast. And Kim, she, her, is an interdisciplinary space holder and artist working with breath and scent. She facilitates journeys of self-discovery that resonates with diverse individuals. The ultimate goal for her and her business is to attain a state of balance, enhancing our ability to make a positive impact on the world. And her intention is to create safer and nurturing spaces for things to come as they are, rather than offering concrete solutions. Oh, that's so, so, so good. And it's Kim Gerlach from Sun and Rise. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited that you're here. Oh, I just had goosebumps again already. I'm just going to thank you so much for having me. This is starting great. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And fun fact, Kim and I have actually never met in person, nor have we ever met on Zoom. And so it's so funny that this is the first time, but I feel we were talking earlier in the green room that we feel like we have some sense of each other's energies because we're in communication and other different ways we met through a different community we're like internet friends it's such a millennial or like 21st century thing to be <laughs> it is it is and it was so interesting because when I asked you to actually be on my podcast I had no idea that you were pregnant and so I had scrolled and I realized oh my gosh this is amazing I love it and I felt like it just dovetailed so nicely because you and I connected on the fact of just this reclamation and identity of our Filipino identity. I think that's the first time I reached out to you. I said, you know, I I mean, for me, I didn't really feel like I identified with being Filipino. And I saw that you were in the group that we were in, you were also Filipino. And I think I reached out to you and just asked you for different resources. And so that's how we mm. first connected. And I wanted to talk about that. And then I was like, oh, this is so interesting. We can go in so many different directions. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I remember it's, ah, I'm having so many conversations about that, especially being half Filipino. I mean, by now I say full, full instead of half, half, but it's a whole identity process of being like, how do I identify? And if having that imposter syndrome almost as well, being like, I don't speak the language. So can I even say that I'm Filipina? So many layers to it. Mm, When did you start exploring that? that identity piece and when did it come up for you good question so I was living in Sweden for three years and this is where I did most of my like identity searching and exploration I was a wild child early 20s I was exploring (laughs) a lot of things romance sexuality identity all of that was part of the process and I moved there from Germany and then I kind of identified as German but people were like 
but not really. You don't look German, have some Asian features, have dark hair. And then at that point, I was like, yeah, right. And um, I started more with almost like an intellectual process rather than how many other people do it. Like they travel back or they visit family back there or their grannies, their lolas that still live in the Philippines. And that's yeah. kind of how they connect. But for me, it was like literature and books and like what is happening. It's a strange way to do it. But to oh me, it was super goodness. helpful. Yeah. Uh -huh. How was it for you? I was going to say, you're going to have to share the books because yes. I... I think I remember when I was in grade school, I had one book, but you know what it was? I just, I didn't want to connect with it. I didn't want mm. to connect with it because I know in, in Filipino culture, white people are more revered. And so I just never wanted to identify. I still, I still don't know what it means to be Filipino to me. I mm. still don't know what it looks like. And it was so interesting because usually I like to do pilgrimages to different places Yeah. And I was looking up one in Egypt and I just had this thought of, why are you going there? Mm. You haven't been to the Philippines in a way that you want to. So why are you going to someone else's country rather than your own? Oh my and, God, same. Right. And my, and I was so upset because my parents are actually in the Philippines right now and they're going to be there for six weeks. And I'm doing this for myself, this sort of, you know, how people that are in sales jobs, if they hit a quota, they get to go on like the CEO sales mm -hmm. trip. And so mm -hmm. I'm actually doing it for myself. I'm like, okay, Lisa, if you hit a certain number in your business, you oh. get to go to the Philippines, you get to hang out there. So that's going to be the thing that I want. But I just had this reckoning wow. of like, I don't really know my culture in the way I want. And my, both of my sets of grandparents, they have already passed, but I I wish I knew them more. And I don't know if it's like mm. that with you and your parents, but I told my mom that I said, I don't, I think I've only seen my grandma twice in my life. I don't know who she is, but the thing yeah. that I like to do to stay close to them is actually wear their jewelry. So I'm like, I'm wearing my, my grandma's mm. ring and then my other grandma's bracelet. That's how I like oh, it. So beautiful. Yeah. What about yeah. you? So I also haven't seen my Filipino grandparents that much because they passed when I was a bit younger. So it's been more through like my motherly line of asking her a bunch of questions. And she has nine siblings, so there's plenty of family members to talk about. <laughs> and I totally resonate with what you said about traveling to Egypt. I had that impulse at some point as well of being like, let's go back to that because there's so much symbolism and so much culture and heritage. But then I'm like, wait, there's indigenous culture in the Philippines. They had their own witchcraft going on, their own religion. And then at some point, my mom was casually just dropping that like, Her grandma, my great grandma, oh. was like indigenous sitting in some village being the village witch. And I'm like, oh, my God, I need to go. Like, it hasn't happened yet. This is also like a oh. whole backstory of the pandemic and me not yeah. feeling ready and doing it different ways. But I feel like if I go to the Philippines next time, it's going to be at least for two or three months really wanting to explore um, not only essence of like my personal lineage, but also what is the day-to-day -day life like? I haven't been in 10 years. It's it probably changed. And what is the modern way of exploring the Philippines and the indigenous knowledge and wisdom? That's mm -hmm. kind of what I'm I'm curious about. That's so powerful because I I haven't really dove into what does it look like to live there through like the lens of it the indigenous way 
And I think mm -hmm. I, I remember I met a woman who was on a retreat with me and she said she went to a rice farm. And so she was able to work there on the rice farm. And she says, oh yeah, if you want to get hooked up with them, I can totally do that for you. And so at one point mm -hmm. I thought, oh, that would be really interesting to see like how they cultivate their agriculture. What does it look like to be a worker? All that stuff. I'm sure other people are like, okay, that's kind of not as fun, but <laughs> I feel like it's a nice way to get acclimated and just see. Yeah. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so for you, when you started to dive into these books, what was, how did it resonate for you? I mean, did something change within you? Mm. I super clearly remember this one book. I'm not sure about the author, but it's called Half Plus Half. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot about people that also have carry this half identity. And it's mm -hmm. a lot of short stories just about them going to the supermarket or like meeting their future partners or their partner's parents and like just ordinary moment, but being half one culture, half another. And it didn't really matter what halves these were. It was like Moroccan Algerian or Filipino German as in my case, but every single story I was like, oh my God, there's this collective experience that I'm sharing with all of the halfies and that was like this is the most powerful one that I've reread twice yeah just really feeling like this collective connection of I'm not the only one that is facing these existential questions besides all of the other questions right we're not <laughs> only talking about like self-development and like childhood trauma but there's yeah. then this other dimension of like identity and I was like oh I'm not alone and that felt good even though it was only quote-unquote through books and then I think just recently in the last two, three years, I would join online communities as well. Like I think the one we've met through was also like a WhatsApp group and mm -hmm. there's meetups here in Berlin. And it took me quite some time to feel brave enough to be like, oh, I'm only half, but I can still show up and I don't speak the language and I don't know the, lang the slang words and don't know all of the things they're bringing to the potluck never tried them but it's okay to be here <laughs> yeah so what yeah. were some of the challenges that came up for you as you identified with with only being half to now taking on that ownership of no I am like this is my full identity of being mm. Filipino I think the concept of diaspora that is applicable to so many people living anywhere so diaspora is like living outside that motherland or fatherland and being socialized there which influences the identity and also a feeling of like reclamation so what happened is my mom moved to Germany and she wanted to be sort of a model migrant and wanted to like blend in and she completely forgot about her Filipino heritage until they my parents divorced and then she went full in and she reclaimed that again, which for me was difficult to grasp because until the divorce of my parents, I was like raised pretty German and suddenly mm -hmm. it shifted. And it took me like 10 plus years to go on my own process of reclaiming what it means for me to be Filipino. So mm -hmm. that was, yeah, but all very organic, right? I feel, I don't know how it's for you, but at some point you feel ready for it to face these things and to have space to look at it. And that happened for me to be in like my mid-20s to, to reclaim that Filipino identity mm -hmm. more. 
when you saw your mom well when you saw your mom kind of like reclaiming her own identity as well what was she doing with (laughs) oh my god like the best examples is first it's such a stereotype but she bought a karaoke machine oh my god i love karaoke it's in our blood it's so funny in the philippines it's like you're either like into dancing or singing and she was like we need a karaoke machine and back in the days, it was with all of these tapes or like downloads with like lists. And she went for the full package and we had 2000 songs to choose oh from God. and like Ricky Martins and everything. That was the first thing that I remember that really confused me. And then the other thing was the size of our rice packages. So before we would oh just get like small, I don't know, 500 gram packages and then one day she'd be like, no, five kilos, boom. Let's drop this in the kitchen now. And I would just be like, what's happening? I was eight years old and I was like, I'm so confused. Where's my potatoes? Oh, it was too much for me to handle. That's a whole different story that my kind of therapist knows. But yeah, like it, it took me a while to settle in that. And then it took me so much longer to be like, wow, I'm so proud that she did this. I'm so, wow. so proud she reclaimed it. Was there any sort of, and I know for me, and I think for a lot of second generation, you know, kids, children, there's a little bit of shame Hmm. in a way. Did you feel any of that as she was, you know, doing all of her transition? Yeah. Yeah. As you said, like second generation or like migrant or expat parents, her German isn't the best. Like whenever we would be Mm -hmm. in public and she has a strong accent, like English slash Filipino accent, there's a lot of shame in that. Mm. Yeah. I can't come up with any like more concrete examples, but definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I know. It's so interesting to see. And I think now being an adult and having a different perspective, I understand from a different lens, the way that my parents had to blend in, especially in America, because Mm. my dad, he came here first and it was during like close to, to, you know, a little bit after Vietnam. And I remember his brother actually went into, you know, war and was very much, you know, you had to watch out for yourself. You didn't want to stand out. You didn't want to bring attention to yourself. And my dad doesn't have an accent as much. I knew, yeah, that's what I clearly remembered as a kid. And I never really identified with being Filipino just because they acclimated so much. I just Mm. thought that I was American first than Filipino. Yeah. Yeah, I completely understand now trying to put myself in their shoes. It must be such a hard thing at that time of their lives assuming Mm -hmm. maybe they were younger maybe I don't know like financial pressure to move abroad that happens a lot in the Philippines you just need to go abroad to have a career so there's so much then you feel isolated and you just want to kind of blend in like it Uh makes absolute sense and for a while I did blame my mom for being like why didn't you teach me Tagalog why didn't we like why didn't you teach me to cook certain things and dishes and no like she had to fight her own battles like being a woman in engineering being a woman of color that like you can clearly see she's not from there and then as soon as she speaks you can hear that she's not from there and it's like 
she was fighting battles and she was a single mom. There was so much mm. that was on her mm-hmm. that I shouldn't be blaming her for not knowing how to cook certain things. I think mm-hmm. I'm past that point. I definitely did have a lot of blame there. Yeah, no, that's how I was too. I was still thinking, because I, I remember even thinking, oh, I want to be fluent in Spanish and I want to, mm. you know, because my partner, he's Danish. And so I was thinking, oh, I'm going to learn Danish. And then I realized, Lisha, you should, you should actually just learn your own, your own language. <laughs> you should learn Tagalog. Mm. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. And now also sharing that I'm on this journey of motherhood that brought up a lot of identity questions again because the little one will have my genes and then a very like Russian slash Ukrainian gene pool of his dad. And then suddenly it's like, gonna have a white kid with blonde hair and blue eyes, but he has Filipino DNA and beyond DNA and biology. What, what culture are we going to raise him with? I didn't clearly grow up with rituals that are super Filipino nor German, same for my partners. It's like, what do we integrate as a family that can be tied to a culture or that's just our thing? And mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of a lot of processes again around the topic of like identity or like collective family identity now. Mm-hmm. And so as as you've started to come into your own, I guess healing around that, right? With with being Filipino. What do you intend to pass on to your your mm. child? Um, the first thing I can share is that I'm going to pass on the passports. This is like a big deal for me because it took me a long time to actually apply for the Filipino passport. Mm. Like initially, I thought this document would kind of validate that I'm Filipino. And then as soon mm-hmm. as I had all the forms and all the copies ready I didn't actually proceed filling in the form and applying for it it was just laying there and I was like oh it was more about the journey rather than the outcome Mm -hmm. and then now that I know it could have an impact on him meaning that he could also have the Filipino identity and passport and nationality I was like okay I need to do that now if he's born in a Filipino body that has a Filipino passport then he can apply to have that nationality as well. And that was kind of the first thing that kicked in to give choice and also give privilege. I feel like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like at some point he will be able to make a decision the way I did in my 30s, you know, and maybe he'll do that in his 30s or earlier. That's like one, there was one big process I was going through and I just got it this week, actually. So proud holding it in my hands being like, (laughs) (laughs) how Um, exciting that's beautiful and I think the openness to embrace his own culture I feel like back in the days when I was growing up in like mixed heritage family it was not very visible or there wasn't much pride And I hope I can create a support system and system of friends and extended village in a way that appreciates whatever culture we have as a family, whether that's Filipino or not, doesn't really matter. But just, yeah, letting him express, letting him create culture with his parents or with the people around. I think that openness is really important to me. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So it's not really tied so much to the Philippines. I mean, I would definitely love for us as family to travel there together and kind of do an exploration, the three of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's nothing like super concrete where I feel like, oh, this is a value or this is a Filipino thing that I have that I will carry on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And so as you prepare into this journey of welcoming your child, what has that transition been like? I feel like the theme of this conversation is about identity and transitions yeah. and how it evolves and morphs over time. Mm. And so from this idea of the feminine archetype of the maiden and then now into motherhood, mm. I'd love to know how that's just landing for you. Yeah. Um, I feel like I want to also give a disclaimer like just appreciating all the women and people out there who are trying to go mm-hmm. on that journey where it's difficult, where mm-hmm. biologically it may not happen as easy or it, it has failed in the past. Um, I think it's a very, it's a topic we talk about a lot. It's, oh, there's a pregnant woman, but I really also want to acknowledge that it's not always that linear and easy and there is so much mm-hmm in that journey as well so everyone listening feeling that way you're super seen it's it's Mm -hmm. nice yeah Um, yeah was that process what was that process like for you if you if you want to share if you choose yeah 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 um to me it's actually been a big manifestation and it came very smoothly I didn't have miscarriages in the past Mm -hmm. that soul just wanted to come into this body it was crazy were you trying for a long time did you plan for it or was it just whatever happens happens type of thing so yeah we kind of had the conversation opening up and wanting to be receptive to someone entering our life and making that family expand and I knew that because of an autoimmune disease I have that it may not be so easy. So what we initially planned was to have an opening ceremony to be like, okay, we're opening kind of the portal for another soul to come. And then also with that kicking off like a new lifestyle and kind of working on my hormonal balance. And we knew that this could take like one, two, three years. There's a lot of couples struggling because of what I have. And then like literally a month later even without ceremony he just came through and we were like wow never mind (laughs) yeah wow like we weren't ready to like speaking honestly about this we were so overwhelmed because we kind of had this idea that it will be a process and it will take time and then suddenly we're at a festival in like Scandinavia and like (laughs) before I start drinking alcohol like my period is a bit late so let's just make sure and suddenly we test pee on the stair strip and it's positive and we're like what just happened hold hold your horses what is this <laughs> so oh this is like goodness. my personal story of being like okay never mind <laughs> oh my gosh yeah I feel like yeah. there's there's so many like experiences right and I hear it too you know people that are close to me that just struggle with that part mm-hmm. of the journey and so everyone was telling me oh you're lucky if you get pregnant within a year mm-hmm. and so I was thinking okay I think I need to start <laughs> I need to start soon I mean I remember you also talking in another episode about egg freezing and yes. kind of going mm-hmm. through that process as well of being like 
let's just open the window for this for an opportunity to arise whenever independent from like your body and like age so really it's not a big thing in germany or europe yet it's not as supported but oh really yeah i think it's slowly coming there's definitely not companies really supporting it big times like it's just not a conversation happening oh why do you think that is i have an inkling but i want to hear yours i don't know i think we're just a little bit behind usually really oh okay so i i mean i can only i can only speak in terms of i mean my partner being danish i mean they it's normal to have children when you're at a i mean all his friends when we go there Mm. they all chill children multiple children Mm. we're like the last of his friends to have children and they're always asking us but i think in america especially for you have tech companies that will pay for you to have a surrogate so you can work yeah Right. It's wow. all about making sure you're That's in like capitalism in a yeah. nutshell. It's so crazy. It is. it is like Google, for example, they will pay for you to have a surrogate. I mean, my tech company, they paid for my eggs. Wow. Yeah. You can work longer. Yeah. And, and so that doesn't really that. happen here yet. I wonder also if it's too much of a, it's too personal. Like we're so much about like data protection, privacy protection in Europe or Germany that maybe here it's just not a conversation to have about your body and you as an employee, maybe that's something, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that could be something too. It's very common. I mean, we have laws governing what we can and can't do with, with women's bodies all the time. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. full, well, that's another Everyone episode. listening, we just had a big eye roll moment. <laughs> We're like, ah. Oh. Yeah, it's it's a little bit scary. It's a little, you know, it is scary. But I love how you you connected it back to the soul that this this person, this baby, mm-hmm. just wanted to to come through. And so as you started to recognize and saw, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. <laughs> how have you been preparing yourself physically, emotionally? And are you the first of your close friends to go through pregnancy or do you have support? Mm. Yeah, I think the first trimester was higher risk because of the autoimmune disease. So I just kept it super secret. And at some point I was able to kind of tell friends and family. And that was, that was cute I felt a bit shy about it being like by the way I'm gonna step into this new role but I think <laughs> I still don't like my inner child was a bit like uh, look at me maybe can I get some praise or some cheers yeah there's so much I mean I I can be so lucky that I have the time and space to prepare not only for for birthing but also mentally um, I started listening to a lot of podcasts. I started hypnobirthing as well. So to mentally prepare for getting into the zone and not getting my nervous system too activated in like stress while labor. So you can mm. kind of like self-hypnotize yourself. And that's been super fun. Yeah, I switched from like uh, intense asanas uh, and yoga to prenatal yoga And also working a lot with like pelvic floor preparation and things like that. But even this felt, yeah, it felt like I'm going to be super intimate about this. Like even like 
my vulva changing and not only my belly changing or my breasts but also my vulva and like so many physical processes where I was like wow I'm transforming oh my (laughs) goodness it's crazy and (laughs) yeah like all these stereotypical things of like cravings or being more emotional and hormones that definitely happened to me as well I think I had a very stereotypical pregnancy of like cravings in the beginning feeling okay and now having cravings again and crying all the time yeah (laughs) I feel like being initiated into motherhood it's like the secret club right of all these things that are happening to you and you're like how come no one said anything what is this I didn't even know that your vulva changed like because I was actually in the delivery room with my sister when she had her first baby and that's when I first knew I said wow, the yoni is just really for having a human head come out. Like the way totally. that it's shaped, it's not for sex. I was like, no, yeah. I, I was it's, it's so open, like the lips yeah. and the pedals are just like, ta-da, They're like so <laughs> yeah. ready. And yeah, I don't know, I, I even had to be like taking the mirror and being like, ah, this is me now. And then a month later being like, this is me now. And now wow. I'm like, I can't put a mirror there. The belly's too big. Like I can't look at shit anymore. But like all of that, sometimes it's overwhelming. Oh my God. Like these nine months, I'm in the ninth month now, but it's so much transformation. Just talking about the physical level as well. Uh Um, Yeah. And a lot of things that if you haven't thought about motherhood, no one tells you about. And, but it also comes with so many I call them superpowers or like up levels that Mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying. We just previously also talked about dreams. What's that? Yeah. I think it's part of like my instincts sharpening or like me getting more into this realm of almost like feminine essence as well. Mm -hmm. So what's been happening is that my dreams just get very archetypical, a lot of symbols. I start thinking of people that have passed that I know Mm-hmm. Um, and they send me messages and it's repetitive patterns, same animals, same things, same locations. And I'm just like, wow, that's a, that's a big superpower right here. And wow. I'm not the only one. Like when I ask other witches around me, they're sharing the same, that their dreams are very vivid. And mm-hmm. that's something I didn't expect or didn't think of, but it's a very energetic transformation as well. Mm -hmm. oh my gosh that's so beautiful and were your dreams like this before or no it's only when it was really archetypal yeah I did yeah I did do dream journaling every now and then so I can't like I have the capacity to remember them anyways from before Mm -hmm. so that was really helpful now in pregnancy to be like oh right let me just train this muscle again of like dream memory and I would keep a dream diary so I could quickly get into it Mm-hmm. Once I realized, hold on, there's something mystical about this. And then I was like, let's start dream journaling. And that was really useful. Yeah, how I because I know you also analyze your dreams. How's that process for you? And how long yeah. have you been doing it? Just recently. It's so interesting. I'm always following the breadcrumbs into what's happening in my life in the current moment, the way it just comes. It's it's kind of miraculous to me. So I was doing a women's circle and it was focused on the underworld 
And then I started picking up off of Inanna, that story, the Sumerian myth and that goddess. And then it brought me to this school where you reclaim the mythical feminine. And so we're studying different myths and it's from the lens of Carl Jung. And we also have a dream analyst. And I, I, this always happens to me. This happened to me with tantric yoga. This happened to me with this. It's like a good idea in theory, but my subconscious leads me to the thing that I know that I need because cognitively, if I thought I, you know, I would have probably said no, just the depths of it. And I, I didn't know what I was getting into with this dream analyst. And I didn't understand why they weren't sharing material on the myths, like the written word. It was because they wanted to activate our right brain, our feminine brain. Mm-hmm. And so they do a lot of storytelling of the actual myths to activate it. And what happens is I tend to dream of big things two days later. It takes my mind to process wow. it two days later. And so I remember specifically, I had this dream after we were working with clay because there's also art to it too it's kind of wild it's an amazing program there's dream analysts and there's art and I was working with clay and I'd never worked with clay in my life before and we were molding the feminine body of 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 what we thought it was and I created mine with a big butt and I just really loved that and two days later I had a dream where I was in school which is similar to what you know this program is at the school And it was all about my subconscious connecting to me and saying that it's okay. Because my ex was in my dream and it was just so weird. I wasn't even thinking about him. But with my analyst, we we just really uncovered that my psyche was telling me that it's okay to connect to this feminine part of me. Mm -hmm. And that maybe there were so many things that were repressed that I don't even know at the inner psyche level. And so from there, it was just more started coming now I didn't realize, oh, I didn't know there's a universal language for mm-hmm. the subconscious, which is symbols or like why I dream of blue or it's very, very fascinating. It's very fascinating. And I just remember thinking I was in a yoga class and I just remember I, I was, it was more of like bhakti yoga. The, the teacher was playing kirtan and I just remember thinking how I wanted to be one with the God, the goddess, and how I was connected to my soul and that I could understand my soul. And I was so grateful. And the goddess ended up visiting me. I was in Shavasana and I just felt just this full body bliss and energy from my crown, like all the way down. Mm. And it was so beautiful. So it's sort of like, I'm not pregnant, but I have these like mystic experiences with you, you know, just as you do as well of, of, you know, the dream world, but then how it also Mm. extends in the outer world. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I really admire you for going down that, that exploration of like feminine essence and everything you're doing and the way you also do it very intuitively. It feels like having seen you at least on the internet (laughs) where you started and like where you're like oh this I didn't decide this my body was deciding this or something drew me here and I'm gonna go full ill really admire it as well oh thank you well it's kind of like how your body is changing right like your body is leading you the baby is leading Mm. you and birthing and like having a certain idea you know of how it's going to go and then completely surrendering 
Yeah. Yeah, I think the surrendering part I was really struggling with just because that's just like an ongoing pattern of mine of control, letting go of control, trust. There's a lot of wounding there still that I thought I cleared and that I thought that I've worked on through various different modalities. And now suddenly in pregnancy, it's coming back. So it's actually like that mirror of being like, hey, Kim, there's still there's still that wound and you may have looked at it, but now's your chance to look at it again. So it's really been like, oh, actually bringing me back to patterns that I'm aware of and that suddenly come up. That was very confusing. And yeah, leaning into also the, I call it intelligence and instinct of the little one that I'm carrying. Like Ooh. I believe so much that he just knows so much and he has, he has such a superpower of, knowing what's good for him, knowing when to come, whether that's going to be exactly the due date that was calculated or earlier or later. And in my case, even, is it going to be a natural birth or is that not possible for him and my body? Yeah, I, I now have arrived at the point that I could completely surrender to him also having so much power in this and knowledge. Is there anything that you're grieving as you take on this identity of, of, of mother, a mom. I think I've been grieving the lightness of little responsibility. Mm. Like when you just have to take care of yourself or your partner, there's just you, you make a decision of I'm going to have cereal for dinner. And then that just impacts you. And, now it's oh that cereal is actually also feeding my child but in the long run I suddenly carry a responsibility for another human for I don't know 20 years plus so I've been grieving that for a while but then I've also realized that because it's going to be a child and a newborn it's going to bring a lot of lightness simply because that's the way they function like it's it's not going to always feel like a burden or a responsibility, but it's also going to be like play and bringing up curiosity and letting him meet with my inner child. That's going to be a whole process of just like feeling light again and not so strict and not so much like thinking <laughs> about the bigger impact. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like I'm grieving more, but there's no words to that coming yet. But I think it's a very present feeling in my body now that you like kind of poked it. I'm like, I think there's more that I'm grieving, but I haven't thought about it much yet. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I'm like, wow, it's... that's so good. I'm going to journal yeah. about it. Yeah, because I always think about that. And I remember one of my mentors, she said to me when I was preparing for my sister's first shower, because now she has two kids. Um I never forget this. My mentor said to me, you know, the, the baby shower isn't necessarily all these gifts for the baby, but people don't also recognize that it's the last time you are, you're not a mother. Mm. And it's, and I always thought that if you can't, you can relinquish all these different identities, right? You can take on more, but there's something about not being able to unmother yourself. Mm. Like even, I don't know what it is, but even with fathers, like you can, you cannot be a father. You, you cannot show up, but especially if you're the one actually carrying the baby, like the physical yeah. remnants of it show. 
And so I'm always curious about just the, the psyche, what it goes through or, or what happens as you start to transition. And, and I only get glimpses because, you know, I'll babysit, Mm. but it's, I can't even fathom. I can't mm. even fathom the lessons in the learning of re- really raising emotionally intelligent children. And I spoke about it in a couple episodes back of this initiation of the, the divine mother. And I'm so grateful mm. for inner child work of being able to speak to myself, but there's stakes that are so high when you actually have a human being and when you do the inner work and you know what's happened to you. And sometimes it's a lot of like family wounds and you 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 want to do what you can to not perpetuate that and pass that as inheritance to them you yeah. know i also feel like stepping into that role of being a mother is the um kind of ultimate mirror like not only the patterns that are coming back now in pregnancy but it's pra- do you actually practice what you preach <laughs> like i work with breath work I help people to find inner balance inner wisdom like really guiding back and then it's are you actually ready do you have your self-care routine that you can squeeze into 10 minutes and do you Mm. actually have unconditioned this or have you healed your inner child or are you just perpetuating something to the next generation I'm I have a lot of respect of me almost doing things wrong I know there's a thousand and gazillion ways to parent Mm-hmm. but I'm afraid of things coming up because now they already come up in pregnancy and I'm like what what else is down there that <laughs> may come up then oh my gosh I know it seems like a wild <laughs> ride this never-ending journey <laughs> no. and so as not only are you preparing for this new baby coming into your life but how has it looked on the business front of things, right? Thinking of relinquishing certain identities for a period of time, you know, Mm. what has that been like slowing down? Actually the opposite. As soon as we knew we were going to have a child in spring, I started almost accelerating things in one direction. So I started focusing on building an app because that felt like that could be the one thing that is not only reaching more people and thus has more impact, but that can also run in the background when I am just becoming a mother and I can't always be holding classes in Berlin and like being present, posting on social media. Once the app is there, it can kind of run by itself and people will just practice by themselves without me. So there's that element. And yeah, as soon as we knew like spring is kind of the deadline, I was like, okay, chop, 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 let's do this. And I had really like a clear sense of focus. And I think that's happening to a lot of solopreneurs or entrepreneurs that are parents that suddenly time needs to be used so efficiently. And I think I had a glimpse of that just now where I had these nine months. I'm like, okay, there's a super hard deadline. We need to build something. So we're just like in the last moments of launching communicating like the content is there and yeah that's been that's been going good so I'm sharing a lot of like breath work meditations there it's a whole Mm. library there's challenges there's a lot in there and also live sessions as long as Uh I can still do them every (laughs) every other week Um, so that's been interesting because I didn't know that it could really accelerate it because I personally think I'm already like quite quick on doing things or like quite mm-hmm. focused. It took me years to get there. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm pretty choppy already. And suddenly I'm like, boom, badam, like pulling it <laughs> off. And I'm like, what was this? And that was super <laughs> magical as well. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. And so how did you even get into this line of work? Because I've always heard of breath work, but I've never heard it um, in, uh, sent integrated yeah. with breath work. And I've never actually experienced that myself with scent. Yeah, I think it's not so common, but to me, it makes a lot of sense because it's the same organ, right? It's like smelling and breathing. And I did come from smelling before. So when I, I kind of transitioned out of my career uh, as a project manager and I was like, I want to do something with my hands, something that feels like alchemy. And then I did remember that I would always go like to the perfume shop instead of the toy shop with my, when I was really young. Oh. And I would collect perfumes. And I was like, oh, what is this bit about? And I completely, like, I just forgot. I basically didn't think of it much. And it also makes a lot of sense because I figured that I'm on the hypersensitive spectrum. So mm -hmm. I do naturally smell much clearer and more nuanced than other people around me. And then it just clicked. I was like, I have a superpower right here. And I've already been drawn to it when I was so young. So mm -hmm. why not explore that? So scent came first and then breathwork just came through my own healing journey. I, I attended a class randomly. It was like at a retreat. There were workshops in parallel. And actually the wild woman, one that I really wanted to go to, that one was like fully booked. And uh -huh. they're like, oh, you can go to the breathing thing. And I was like, oh, boring. I know how to breathe. <laughs> But it was so transformational. Like I was definitely supposed to be there for sure. Wow. And showed me a big rooted trauma in my body. And I wasn't really ready for that. Like mm -hmm. it was that like black block sitting in my womb and very dark energy. And I just remember like holding my vulva and being like, I cannot release it now. Like I'm not ready. And then wow. fast forward a year later, I feel settled, I've moved to a new home and suddenly mm -hmm. something makes me feel ready for it. And I faced that trauma and had to had to like really dive into also the depth and the darkness of it. But then breathwork helped again. So like mm -hmm. breathwork was the one thing that kind of poked me and showed me, oh, look at this black stone in you. But then also it helped me so much with healing it and looking at it again and again and again. And since then, I'm just fangirling breathwork. I'm like, it's my personal medicine. Mm -hmm. For a while, all I was doing was coaching breathwork, coaching breathwork. I was mm -hmm. not able to see people beyond the people I was living with and beyond my partner. I couldn't even do groceries. Like I was so, so wounded so, so much wow. in that healing process and Breathwork really helped me out of helped me so much. And that's where I decided, okay, if there's someone who can share breathing and share the power of it, it can definitely be me. I think I have mm. experienced it so much and the medicine of it that I really want to pass it on to others who may need it as well. And that's mm. kind of where where scent and breath slowly start meeting. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that because you make it your own unique offering to the world mm. this gift right in such a beautiful way of of integrating something very sensual like scent yeah you know and how it evokes certain memories and that's so beautiful and I love that you said oh I'm a fangirl of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I think we're all such sensual beings what we do forget especially mm -hmm. 
when it's not part of our surrounding, our job, if you're not necessarily working in wellness or healing, mm. just don't mm -hmm. think of it. But your senses are, you're, they're always there. The breath is always there, but we just don't allow ourselves or don't even know how to allow ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's just such an empowering thing to be like, oh, I can use my senses to, or my dreams or whatever resources that I have, I can train to understand myself, to understand what's happening and kind of connect with the divine or the universe, I call it. Like, mm -hmm. there's so much in us. It's crazy. Oh, I love that. And have you started thinking about how you want to, did you create maybe a separate program for people who are birthing for mothers with breath work? In progress. <laughs> <laughs> right, because I was thinking, oh, that could be so helpful for the actual yeah. process of giving birth. And, you know, yeah. wow. It's not going to come out yet. I still yeah. need to do the recordings. And I also want to validate with um, more science, since mm -hmm. I'm not an expert in being pregnant or pregnant bodies. So I really want to find some experts that can just validate that I'm not doing any harm. I think that's right. some quality control I want to do before publishing anything and yeah there's like a whole concept uh, written down already and some meditation scripted I'm pretty excited about that one as well oh, yeah I feel like you're just I'm glad it makes sense oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I feel like you're just blossoming so much especially as we talked to like about different phases in your journey of you know identifying reclaiming who you are you know, and really getting, mm. getting in touch with your Filipino identity to this idea of surrendering and birth and motherhood and, and to now how it's, how it's reflected in the business. And I'm sure it'll constantly change, mm. right. As you're evolving, as all of us do in the imprints of that and whatever you touch. Yeah. I'd love to also ask you what you're mm -hmm. working on right now. If there's any like things you want to share, any updates or where you are. Yeah, it's so interesting because yesterday I actually did a workshop. I did a private workshop for some people in my community. And I, it's like, as an entrepreneur, you're always testing stuff out. So I'm always testing mm -hmm. are the things that currently interest me right now. Is there an audience for it? And so I had this moment of, I was teaching them different energetic purification practices. I've recently gotten like really, really into Kundalini yoga, just because the Kriyas have helped me so much over the years. And a lot of it is different from the work that I have done before of just, you know, like inner child work, self-love all about, you know, introspection, journaling and EFT. And now it's these energetic practices. Like I think of Kundalini yoga as the priestess yoga, because it's all energy. Mm. And I was, I was in mid workshop and I was thinking, is this too advanced? Is this mm -hmm. landing with people? Mm -hmm. Because it turns me on, right? Talking about it. And, you know, just how you said, you're like, I'm a fan girl of breathwork. It's helped me so much. And it's, it's, I have a specific career for every single moment in my life that has transformed me, you know, and I just want to share these teachings. And that's why I'm getting certified to become a teacher. And, but it's just, it's like me testing stuff out, but then it's also following what excites me as well mm. and not censoring that and just trusting in that because what's really has come to me is it's like I see it as the holy trinity it's like sacred feminine 
you have energetic purification practices, uh, but you also have somatic work. And so I see those connected so clearly to me with symbolism as well. Yeah. And sometimes I think, is it too alternative? And mm. is there a way to ground it? You know? Yeah. I wonder where the symbolism is going in because it shows you where to focus in the Trinity or how to use it. The way that I use it is through tarot. And so oh, dreams, yeah. right? The symbolism, using it uh, in the form of feminine archetypes, using it mm. in the form of imagery. And so being able to call upon that. And so I really love looking at different stories, different myths, understanding different gods and goddesses, you know, stories, being able to do archetypal map mapping and looking at what are the qualities that these deities are exhibiting that we also know that are within us because oftentimes mm. in the spiritual wellness world it's oh who's your higher self it's well you can also break it down and look at this goddess can be a representative of who your highest self is we all have these within us even if they may seem so far out of reach it is within us um yeah. and so that's just what's gotten me really excited is being able to kind of um combine all of these things into this cauldron <laughs> And like, <laughs> I'm still trying to make sense of it, but it's just, it's yeah. like coming and I'm just being a conduit, just sharing yeah. whether it lands or not. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Because I feel like I've been struggling so much to bring smelling <laughs> and breathing together. <laughs> and I was already like mentally, I was just like, what is happening here? So I yeah. totally get you with so many different modalities where you're like, this resonates. I love it. I want to share this because it's powerful. And suddenly you're like, but wait, does this make sense? Like yeah. just from an like, entrepreneurial perspective, you're like, can I send messages combining right. all of this? Yeah. Right. And it's so it's interesting because it makes sense to you. It's like a, a mm. unique language that you can speak that's encoded within your body and DNA. And I think that's what makes it so unique. You know, it's such a gift that no one else in this world can combine those elements that you're so passionate about mm. and package it in this way that can expand someone's healing or accelerate it. And so that's yeah. why I'm just like, all right, I, I hope people can feel the magic or the energy that I get from teaching this. And then also knowing that if it doesn't resonate, then that is okay. Yeah. You know? So, and also yeah. maybe that's where we're similar that we go outside to kind of test what the impact is and what it does mm -hmm. with other people and then afterwards I go back and I'm like okay let me try to find words to it and how to put it in like a marketing <laughs> message like I'm really not good at writing concepts I'm just like so practical doing it teaching it and then yeah. a year later people are like oh you're doing like immersive experiences I'm like yeah, probably. And I look it up. I'm like, <laughs> I guess that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, because it's hard to put a name to something that is so ambiguous, right? Mm. And that's the thing about like creation and creativity is that it's real, like you were talking so much about sensuality, and that is the sensual experience. Like sensuality, the body of, or the language of the body was the first language we ever spoke. It's like it's pre verbal. And it's feminine, actually. It's like using a lot of the right brain as opposed to the left brain, which processes a lot of different things. And that's a masculine way of how I communicate. And so mm. it's like sometimes just honoring the space that there is no name yet, just how maybe some babies don't have a name yet. And that's okay, you know? Mm. Um, and so just trying to, to honor 
that process and give it its own time because it is sacred. It needs time to 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 formulate, to ingest and digest before it can be something and be cooked up. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, this is it. so good. <laughs> I'm so happy that I had you on here. Is there anything that you would love to share? Any where can people, you know, purchase your app? I know you said that it's it's a work in progress right now, but when will it be available? How can people reach you? Where can they follow you? We'll also have all this information in the show notes as well. Yes. Uh, firstly, thank you so much for having me. I feel like you intuitively navigated in so many different topics. I'm like, oh, let me ponder on this later. Also the grief thing. I'm still like, grief, grief. Okay, what is happening here? So thanks for these goodies. Of it was course, so almost of course. fruitful. Um, where can people find me? The internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely on Instagram. The app you can download already. There's a lot of free oh, amazing. stuff. It's okay, called perfect. Tie Your Rituals. And... Ooh. It's actually comes from the Tagalog word tayo and means we or the collective. Oh my god! It feels like the home of all the breathers and the breathing community I want to bring together. So I think we kind of closed the loop to the first topic of like heritage. You know, I love that you said that word because when I was little, me and my sister, like whenever we wanted to be together, we would always say tabitayo. Cute. Cute. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much. This was so beautiful. I will definitely be in touch. And this is just such a fruitful conversation. And thank you all for listening. If you love this episode, please leave a review, share it. We always want this, you know, the information that we share, the conversation to be shared across global societies, all of that good stuff. But thank you for tuning in. And thank you, Kim, for being on the Sacred Feminine Alchemy podcast. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Amazing. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.